0: Empire
1: Hello there and welcome to my podcast. In a few minutes I got Quincy Avery coming up. He's the guy, the quarterback's coach, who has worked with Haskins since his junior year. Worked with them throughout this draft process, both on the field and in the classroom. So he has great insight into who Haskins is and what he can be as a player. But first, I'm going to bring on my guy, Bram Weinstein. We're going to talk about Haskins and the other draft picks right now. The Redskins, we're, we're, we're going back down that road here with the first round quarterback in Haskins. And I'm curious from your perspective, you're a longtime fan, follower of this franchise. What did you think?
0: I, I want to be wrong about this. I really do. Um, there is a reason why he was at 15. So I will say this, number one, I'm very pleased they did not do something crazy to jump ahead of people to get him when clearly that didn't need to happen. So at least they didn't give up anything else. I do like that he's local. I do like his measurables and all those things. I don't like that he sat there and teams that needed a quarterback passed him up. I don't like that. That bothers me, especially in a draft where there were not a lot of quarterbacks out there that anyone really put a tremendous amount of value on. And I have a theory being a redskin fan for a long time about how this is going to play out and it's <laughs> one of those things that bothers me. Well, I think that's the key here. The one thing I'm going to say with with this organization
1: needs to be patient. And I know that there was there were definitely different thoughts as to which quarterback would fit here best within the organization. I think you can look around the NFL and that same split opinion would have been about every quarterback in this class. So there should be no surprise that within the organization, you may have different opinions as to maybe who is the best fit right now. And I think with Haskins, one thing that even people there who wondered about who was the best fit would tell you, the kid has ridiculous upside and they love his poise and they like his work ethic and they like his smarts. So there's the base that they need to build on. And I think going forward, they can't sit there and say, well, I wasn't the guy who wanted him or not your job now is to make it work Whoever, whatever you know the coaches their job is to make this work and here's the base that you build upon so i think that that part gives them some chance i think the question that teams the redskins and other teams had about him was how quickly would it come together for him because you know i know that they ran more pro stuff at ohio state this year it wasn't a ton all the time so there's a lot of bubble screens a lot of RPOs. Those are the kind of things. That the Redskins will use some RPOs, but not as much as what they were doing at Ohio State. So how does he translate and how quickly does he translate to the NFL will be the key for him. But patience, Bram. Patience, patience, patience. You can't have the higher-ups, maybe the ones who really want her the most, you can't have them coming down saying it's time to play him. He has to be ready. When he's ready, then play him. But he has to be ready.
0: No, that's the problem I have with this, because here's what I expect to happen, okay? Having covered this organization for a long time, the higher-ups are going to demand that he is the starter, short of an injury, okay? They're going to make him the starter he may not be ready for that. We all know that Jay Gruden's career and coaching uh, job is on the line Correct. this year. So if the Redskins don't perform pretty well, then all of a sudden he's going to get blamed because Haskins is their future, which means the next coach that has to come in here better fake liking Haskins or be a mouthpiece for the owner because the owner has determined that this guy is going to be their quarterback. I don't believe there's going to be a real competition, and I will be surprised if there is one this summer. Well,
1: I think, and I think we'll see... Um we'll see because i think that it would be really hard to play him right now and if that's if that's the route they go then I think it would be it's going to be hard for Jay Gruden to keep his job. Not because I think Dwayne Haskins can't play, but because if he's not ready, there's going to be the natural learning curves for him and the speed bumps, obstacles, whatever. And it's not like this kid wasn't a big reach at 15. And you had like we had Dan Orlovsky on the podcast a couple weeks ago. He really likes Haskins. Lewis Riddick loves Haskins. So there are, but these are these are guys who have been in the NFL, who have been in front offices and whatever. So it's not like this is a major reach. But again, he has to be ready. And so I don't know, Bram, I mean, I, you know, the naive part of me always says, well, there will be a competition, but I know how this place has worked. Um, I think if they're, if they give him a chance to develop, because the worst thing you can do for a guy sometimes is playing him too early. We saw that with other quarterbacks here. I mean, you know, Patrick Ramsey, not as talented as Haskins, played way too early. (laughs) Career career never went anywhere. You know, there are other guys that you can put on that list. You know, he Shuler wasn't ready early. And he got destroyed. So, um, you know, I, I think if they give him a chance, then
0: he can develop. But I think that's a danger. All right, let me ask you this part, because everything that led into the draft was Dan Snyder has taken over the draft. And in the end, they picked the guy that everybody knows is the guy he wanted because we know what the attended situation was a year ago. We see what the ratings are that are happening around here. He needed to do something to re energize everybody. And he got a guy that is going to do that. But he only does it if he plays. You know that. Well, I think that's a, right. Absolutely. Because if you don't. Sh- I think what they're
1: going to need is for him to show something in the preseason. So that way, fan, you know, the, but the only danger that. I shouldn't say danger because you want the kid, they're going to want the kid to play well. But if you go out there and the coaches say he's just not ready yet, but he goes out there and has a couple of good preseason games, well, the pressure will be on to then play him because they will look what he did this summer. So, yes, but I think there's the key. Here's there's a couple keys here. Case Keenum and the defense, the defense has to play really well because then you have a chance to get off to a better start than maybe you – People might anticipate if you're one in three, one in four, well, then the pressure is massive to play him. And, and I don't care. You know, at that point, they're going to be coming down saying, why aren't we playing? We're one in four. Got to play him now. So we've seen that before with, with other guys. So, you know.
0: Gentleman's bet here. It's short of an injury. I bet you he's the starter week one. Deserved or not deserved. See, I'll go that. against that. But your instincts typically have been better than
1: mine in some of these things. Over I know the years. how these people operate. I know. Do operate. I, am. I know. I know. how they operate. I know how they operate, and
0: I know that what they're looking at here, and I and I'm going to guess that the coaches were suggesting maybe not go in this direction, but the front office said take him, and they saying take him for reasons other than he might be a great quarterback, and that's the scary part of this whole thing. But like I said from the get go, I want to be wrong about that. Like I want him to be good, so I want to be wrong about
1: that. Yeah, and I and I I'm going to take that they're not going to start him the week one unless he just makes this massive improvement. Because the one thing that I know, and this is when talking to people inside there that Bruce Allen does, one of the guys listens to would be Kyle Smith their college Scott and director. So, and I think my sense has been that they, he understands the learning curve too. So I think if you, if that is related to Bruce and if Bruce pays attention to that, I think it gives them a chance to say, okay, we can take some time. But I th- again, I think the key will be, um, First of all, you can't have like Case Keenum or Colt just looking horrible in the preseason. That will exacerbate that, that move and that will speed that move up big time. So I'll take the
0: over on the season opener. The other part, too, about this that I found interesting is that the Giants are getting ripped because they took Daniel Jones, which is perceived too high. But if they think that he's their franchise quarterback, getting him at six, mm-hmm. to me, makes no sense to be upset about it. If the Redskins had gone up and given up some assets to get Haskins, they would have been ripped for doing so, right? But because they got him at 15, they're not, and they're being lauded for a good draft. That logically doesn't necessarily make sense to me. If you were getting the quarterback of the future, picking him at 6 or picking him at 15 or moving him up to get him – that all should not factor into the to the ultimate conclusion of whether it was a good draft. Well, my
1: my belief with this is if you have conviction in a guy, you take the guy. Yes. And so, and, and starting in late March, you started. I started hearing that Jones will be might be the second quarterback taken, which surprised me at the time. And then you start to talk to more people. It's like, okay, I get it. Now, I'm not going to say I'm a big fan of Daniel Jones. I don't. I don't. I see some things that they see but I didn't see enough to say, okay, sixth overall pick. But if you're the Giants, you're thinking, well, we could wait till 17 or take him at six. Well, take him at six. If he's your guy, take him. Now, whatever anybody else says – what you deal with it, but if he if there's a conviction on him, you take him there. And I get, it. I just would not have done it. But if you're if they're sold on him, take him. He's a quarterback. If you're sold on a quarterback, take him.
0: All right, take me through the rest of the draft because largely, um, I mean, everybody is saying the Redskins had an incredible weekend.
1: Yeah, and I and I'm going to go real quick on some of these picks here too because you know Montez Sweat I think is an obvious good pick. I I love that trade. He was a guy that in this process. You know, I like to go and watch these guys before the draft. And I'm like, okay, who are the guys? I'm, I'm watching Brian Burns and some other guys, line, you know, some defensive players might be there. Like, I'm not going to have to worry about Montez Sweat because there's no way he's going to go to them. He's not going to be. Then, you, then the heart stuff came up. And then he starts to fall. But before that, I was like, well, I better watch just in case. Love the guy. You know, he plays with some violence on the edge. He plays physical on the edge. He has the length. I think he has some quickness to him. Um, and I, so I think he's got I, – I would expect him to start right away. Um, and what I also liked is, you know, in the Alabama game, they're down 24 nothing, And that guy is running to the ball late in the game still. And I it just – it's a small thing, but I think it's a very professional thing. And I think that will bode well for him. So I like that pick. Um Terry McLaurin, I'm yeah, I'm an Ohio State guy, so I had a chance to watch him play. And I don't say this because he's an Ohio State guy. It's, I say this because I had a chance to watch him play. Loved his all-around game. Now, as a receiver, I felt like, you know, last year he started to blossom. Better quarterback to work with than JT Barrett. All around, guy blocker, um, you know, g- excellent special team player. And the Redskins said number one special teams guy on the board. I think what they're excited about is the speed. So that speed gives him a chance to contribute early. I think he projects probably to an X receiver, but in their minds, I know he can play all three spots. So I think that's a big key there. Bryce Love, I think that has a chance to be a home run pick. I think it's a worthy gamble in the fourth round because you're getting a guy who, if he didn't have the ACL, is certainly going to go higher. Now, the problem is that they have a lot of guys who have been hurt over the years. So what's what you know, is that going to be an issue? Um, I like it for a couple of reasons. First of all, I well I'm going to I like it for a couple of reasons. One, Chris Thompson Penn, will be a free agent after this year. If Love develops, he may be able to fill that role, and I'll get to that in a second. Darius Geis coming off the ACL, what's his durability factor here? Adrian Peterson, 34, 35 years old. In fact, I think a couple weeks ago on the show, I mentioned the possibility of a running back just because of all those factors, so I wasn't surprised that they took him. The big thing here for Love, first of all, because of the knee, he, there's a good chance— or there's a chance he would open up on the pup list. So he's not going to have to play for the first six, seven, eight weeks um, because of that. I think that's really good for him. The other thing is how does he develop as a third down back? They see that he can catch the ball in some swings and some flares. The key will be can he catch him on the wheel routes? Can he over-the-shoulder catches, slants? Can he catch, you know, how does he run his routes? He's a good pass protector. I, you saw that watching film. He's a smaller guy, so is Thompson. Thompson's excellent. I think he's got a good guy to learn from. If he can develop into that guy, I think it's a home run pick because he has the explosiveness. You saw that on, on film. Um, some of the other guys that I like that jump jump out, the linemen, both the guards are, it gives them the flexibility inside. They need guys inside. They need bodies, strong physical types. We'll see how they move, but I think there's a chance there. I don't know which one has a, you know, Wes Martin's higher pick. We'll see. But I think the other guys that jump out is is Kelvin Harmon, the receiver. When you talk to people there, I think he's one of the guys they're excited about because of six-round value. Excellent, excellent blocker. In fact, I think they might say that he might be the best blocking receiver in this class. Bring those things up because, because that, that stuff matters. I think it speaks to you know a guy's approach and a guy's passion. That's why I like McLaurin. You got you would get guys in there that have passion to play this game. I think that's always a good thing. And Harmon, not a burner guy, but he's physical, and they like that. Um, J- James Moreland, the the corner, late the seventh round pick. I think they're really excited about him because so one guy over there told me he doesn't give a bleep, and he didn't. he's obviously he dropped an F bomb. Doesn't give an F. So, and I think they love that. So, like, he's not going to come in and be intimidated playing at a higher level and making the bigger jump than other guys around him. Very competitive kid. Um, So, I think he's got a shot to help them in a reserve role this year. Um, And then Cole Holcomb, the linebacker, um, good speed, did not get invited to the combine. I think part of that stems from um, playing at North Carolina. They had a lot of changes in that defense, a lot of changes around him. Had to do some different things, but the talent around him was lower. I think linebackers are kind of dependent on some of those guys ahead of you, a guy like that. But he has good speed, good vertical, so he's a pretty good athlete. So I think he can help them special teams and maybe coverage ability, and he can play both inside linebacker spots. So I think he has a chance to develop. If he develops, he can he can help them in those roles. So, you know, that's why I think there's a good draft. I think there's a lot of good potential for value, Bram. Um, As we both know, it takes a few years to really determine. I remember in 2011, they got all these guys, I think 11 draft picks. And it's like, wow, there's potential there for this and that. And really only one guy from that class became a full-time starter. But I do think this class has some potential um, to help now in in certain roles, but also develop into something for the future. So there you go. That's my take on the draft picks. Coming up, I have Dwayne Haskins' quarterback coach, Quincy Avery, to talk about his pupil. So now I'm bringing on Quincy Avery, who has worked with Dwayne Haskins. Quincy, I believe it's from his junior year on. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, sir. I've been,
2: been working with uh, him since his junior high school. Did some stuff throughout college. And then, um, kind of managed his pre-draft process.
1: So what... Let's go back to the beginning with him, and what are some of the things that jumped out to you about him when you first started working with him?
2: Um, Just as as respect to the details that go into working uh, and playing the quarterback position, uh, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of NFL guys, so every time that he was out there and with those guys, he was just soaking in knowledge. Um, And I thought that was very impressive for somebody to be that locked in every single time they hit the football field.
1: And what are are some of those details that you would notice that he would either pick up on or pick the brains of these other guys? What are the things that he would focus on?
2: I think the subtle things are more important than the big things. I think everybody asks, you know, uh, like overarching questions. You know, what are you doing here? But it's like, where do I put my eyes? Okay, Mm. so how did you manipulate that guy in order to move to find the window over here? Um, Those are the little nuanced things that he'd ask, um, and I thought those were really cool. And even even stuff down to the cadence, like what are you trying to do with your cadence, mm. right? Not just what are you doing, but why did you do it like that? Okay, so what are you trying to see? Okay, all right, that makes sense. He'd, he'd go into detail and things like that, and that's how he kind of know something special.
1: How unusual is that for a young guy?
2: Yeah, it's it's very unusual. Uh, I probably work with 40 or so college guys, and I, I don't see that often.
1: The other thing they talk about is a poise, and I'm going to go back to that detail in a second and bring up the poise, and there's a play. Listen, I went to Ohio State, so this is a play that, if you're an Ohio State fan, is near and dear to your heart because of what he did. It's third and 13, is you know a couple years ago at Michigan, and he completes the pass down the right side. If you haven't seen it, go Google that play, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But the details and the poise in that play, and the details I bring up, because of how he looked at the safety and held him to make that throw, is that, what, do you, what, what do you remember that play? <laughs> like, is that something that surprised you that he'd come into the game at that time and make that play? And what did it say about him?
2: No, and in fact, I remember the play in great detail. They're in cover two, and he he knows exactly what's going on. He had told me about the. I asked him after the game, kind of what happened. He had told me that was a look that they talked about in practice, and if they get that, that's exactly what they wanted to do. Um, it's no surprise that even being a backup, that he was so locked into the meetings that when he got into the game um, and in that situation he was able to be successful.
1: And what does that say about him, though? I mean, that, that's a tough spot.
2: Um, just just says that he's committed to excellence. Uh, and, and I think that's something that people are going to continue to see is that he is going to be locked in at all times, uh, not only not only in college, but when he gets to the NFL.
1: What are the things that you were focusing on with him during this draft process?
2: so like like with any other guy, you kind of figure out the pulse on. I mean, what do the NFL teams want to see throughout this process or at his pro day? What are any concerns that they had? and And some of the things that they said was Dwayne is one of the most accurate intermediate throwers. However, some people had some questions about uh, his ability to move in the pocket, manipulate the pocket, get back set. I think that's something that kind of happened earlier in the year, mm-hmm. but throughout the season as he kind of figured out the the nuances and the little details of playing at the college level and playing big-time football, he, he improved tremendously. But that's just something that we wanted to hone in throughout the uh pre draft process so when he gets to his team, which is now the Washington Redskins, that every single time he gets a field, no matter what goes on, he's able to get back on balance and, and on platform and, and be very, very accurate because he is he has tremendous control of the football and it's just making sure that his feet get to the right space so to do that.
1: Is it more about and they always talk about the, the feet matching with the eyes. Is that kind of what you're talking about when you're getting reset to? So no,
2: so I think that kinda of leans more to feet um matching with the eyes is mm-hmm. something that happens when he go to progressions. Um So when you're looking at the first receiver, he's not open, then you go to the second receiver. Right. Your eyes go there, and then your feet go there. But some of the things that they had questions about was when Dwayne got moved off his spot. Okay. Like when the defenders come in, he has to move from point A to point B, then get back set. Some of the times he wouldn't get his feet all the way there. And that's that's just something that we honed in on, and I think if you got a chance to watch a pro day, mm-hmm. many of the things that we did, yeah, um, many things that we did incorporated that. Like, there was probably 20 throws where he just, you know, got back into his drop and maybe went through regression and got to the next guy, but probably 30, 30 or so of the throws were involved a lot of movement.
1: One of the things throughout, <clears throat> excuse me, throughout this process that I'd hear from some teams was they want, you know, and. With Dwayne, it was all about inexperience too, only the 14 starts. So, and with Ohio State, what they said they wanted to see more of were the pro concepts. And I know I talked to you about this before for the story I wrote on Dwayne, but, you know, I think one of the concerns was a lot of bubbles, a lot of bubbles. I know that wasn't all they threw because I watched all these games, but how would you, what did you see with the pro concepts there and how did that prepare them? And do you agree or disagree with with some of that assessment?
2: I disagree wholeheartedly. I think Ryan Day probably does a better job than any. Well, as good a job as anybody, you know, I've got, like, Ham, Lincoln, Riley, um, and Coach Braum out of Purdue. Those are the three guys I think develop their quarterbacks to play in the pro-style game, like go through regressions, go through reads, develop in that way. Now, they're going to find time to throw bubbles when you got people as sure. close as Campbell. Paris Campbell, they need to get in the ball in space. So if you, you find an opportunity to get in the football, you do. Um, but down the field, from, like, 7 to 18 yards, Dwayne, was more accurate than anybody in the country so for somebody to say um that he threw too many bubbles or this and that i think that's a little bit late well,
1: but i think some of it too is trying to, to gauge where he's going to go so if you're when you're looking at him how different is he now just because you've worked with him because now he has a season starting to build upon so how different is he now do you think than he was even in december
2: uh this, this past December? or, or this, Yeah,
1: just from from giving you, because now he's got a year starting to watch the film and build upon. Mm-hmm. So how different is he now, even from like three or four months ago?
2: Uh, you know what's so cool, about the way? I mean, he's as a player, I think he's going to be more prepared, but that's just because he's going to put in the work every mm-hmm. single day. Um, there's, there's not many quarterbacks like him, I think, that could be more prepared. Yes, he played one season, right? That's going to be the knockout. That's 14 games, but in those 14 games, he was about a 70% completion guy through 50 touchdowns and whatever interceptions, and that was in his first year. A lot of the guys from the redshirt sophomore season to the junior season, they only go up. So just imagine what he'd be doing if he continued to play there another year and the year after that. Um, but his maturity level is off the charts. So I think that's one of the things that you see with him, and that's what I got to see over these past three to four months.
1: Were you surprised that he last and he it lasted, he's still the 15th overall pick, but were you surprised that, that he what, didn't go a little bit higher, or did he go right about where you thought? What did you think?
2: You know, I, I knew pretty early that the Giants weren't going to take him. Um, and that's just, you know, you get the chance to talk to people, and I don't think it was so much about his skill set, um, because if you watch him play, you know how dominant he is. Yeah, uh, I think that, you know, Daniel Jones just kind of fit through the things that they wanted to do, and he's kind of the style of quarterback they were looking for. So that was that. Um, So I I kind of thought he might end up going in a 9, 10, 11 range. So four picks, five picks, I don't think that that changes much.
1: How quickly do you know? Because the big thing, again, how quickly can he be ready to play? And I think, you know, to me, it's like you never, you don't know until a guy gets in there. I would say the organization needs to be patient. Let him play when he's ready, whenever that is. How quickly do you think he? You, you've worked. You work with Deshaun Watson. You saw how soon mm-hmm. he was ready to play. How quickly do you feel that Dwayne could get himself ready to play?
2: Uh, I think that he's got to prepare like he's going to be the starter day one. Uh, what's cool about the situation that he's going into? Um, Kevin O'Connell, who I know really, really Correct. well, um, is a good friend of Ryan Day, um, and they've coached together. So a lot of the things that he learned at Ohio State, there's going to be a good bit of chemistry between the things that he got there and the things that he's going to get um, with the Washington Redskins, especially in the quarterback room. So, um, I think that gives him a, a big-time advantage in terms of being able to go out there and be be ready to start week one in the NFL season.
1: And you think he could be ready for that? Oh, for sure. Uh,
2: I, 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 I'm kind of banking on it. I really think that that's what they want and that's what they need is him to be able to go in there and kind of take the franchise over. You dropped the quarterback in the first round. You you wanted to be starting sometime in the first season. So so Absolutely. I think that it, it, it's going to be important.
1: And what, what, what were your discussions like with Kevin O'Connell? What, how often did you talk to him throughout this process since you do know him pretty well? And what things would you share with him in, throughout this?
2: Um, yeah, so, so Kevin O'Connell is uh, one of my better friends that in the NFL. So me and him got to talk. Uh, a ton throughout the process, and, and even before we really got started, and knew how severe the the thing going on with Alex Smith was, um, I kind of bounced some ideas off of him on, on how kind of how he built the build the all season training program or the pro draft development program for Dwayne. We kind of went back and forth, and we talked about some things that he saw on tape, and some things that I saw. Um, and I mean, he was—I mean, he was—he played a big role in terms of helped me with that process, and then um, being somebody else, to, you know, sound things off of, hey, what would you do here? Um, a few years ago, Kevin O'Connell did the pre-draft process for Marcus Mariota, so mm-hmm. he had a lot of experience with dealing with things that I was dealing with, so uh, he, he was kind of instrumental.
1: One of the things, too, and I got this question after the draft, and again, because I'm an Ohio State guy, I know there's a difference here, but I want to ask you, you know, there's a lot of talk about, well, the Urban Meyer quarterbacks in the NFL, et cetera, I know that this is a different situation, so what's your take on, you know, the Urban Meyer quarterbacks in the NFL and the Ryan Day factor I think is a big deal here, but what's your take on that?
2: I mean, the Ryan Day factor, and then let's look at somebody like Alex Smith, who's been on to be a star in the NFL for right. a lot of years. Uh, the system that was put in place would would allow you to be successful. I think Urban Meyer a lot of times took quarterbacks who might have done things that didn't marry as well with the, the, program, the pro game, um, but Dwayne is different. He's he's not like a lot of other quarterbacks that in the system. And then you got Ryan Day, who's as good of a quarterback developer as anybody else. So, um, I mean, I've heard heard it before, but I don't, sure. I don't think Dwayne really fits in that
1: mold. And that's uh, to me, he's a different quarterback than what Urban's had. So I I kind of put him mm-hmm. in a different category. Um, but that's what you hear. Now the other thing too is even for people who wonder like, well, how long is it going to take? The one thing they will tell you is that. You get him on the board, and they really like him up on the board. You worked with him with that aspect, too, and I know you watch film with him. How is he just explaining plays and going over plays in, in, in that area?
2: The interesting thing about him is that, or the interesting thing about Dwayne on the board in the classroom, um, he's as prepared as anybody that I've ever met after their third year in college. Mm. Uh, when you want to get down into the the very fine details, like what type of steps that linemen are taking in the run game. He'd be able to dive into that for you. Um, all the identification of the protection, like it was, it was so detailed. There was very little that um, we really had to, to talk about because the questions that coaches were going to ask, he was going to have answers um, so so far past the things that they would expect you to know uh, going into that that stage in your career. Um, and they could really understand that his grasp and understanding of the game of football was as good as it gets.
1: Was that something you saw along, or was that something that, that developed the last couple of years? So, you
2: no, know, he was a very, very intelligent guy a quarterback who was, who was very cerebral and understood the things that were going on. But when he, he got up to Ohio State, uh, you could tell that they put an onus on understanding protections, protecting yourself. I think that improved a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that he, he mastered some of the things that you need to know so early that they got to start getting into the other things, uh, and so that's what what ended up happening, and, and how he got uh, such a vast knowledge of the playbook.
1: Quincy, the last question for me, and I know I brought up the name earlier, Deshaun Watson. You worked with him, and I know you. I believe you guys watched film of him in the off because you know that offense. And I know Dwayne's not. Dwayne and Deshaun are different kind of quarterbacks. But is there are there similarities at all in terms of their approach or anything like that that you can pick out up and say? Because again, Deshaun played right away. But are there any similarities between the two that you that you have noticed?
2: Yeah, and I, I typically don't like I I wouldn't compare their skills so much, but I would Correct. compare their mindset. They're right. both they're both very, very poised, very, very even keeled, they never get too high, they never get too low. And I think um that's one of the, the big factors in terms of you being successful for a long time in the game. Um, is being able to be a rock. You know, no matter what's going on with your teammates, things are going good, things are going bad, um, where you can steady the ship. Because there's a lot of guys who can throw the ball really well. But it's, it's more about how you handle adversity and how you get the guys on your team to rally behind you.
1: Awesome, Quincy. Listen, I appreciate your time, and I always enjoy the insight that you provide here. Thank you.
2: Sure. Appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Okay, so I'm going to we're gonna wrap up the podcast right now. I'm going to bring Brian back on here for a minute, and I think we've got some questions that he wants to go over from some fans on Twitter.
0: Yeah, David had a, had some good ones on Twitter, and you can reach us at John underscore Kime. I'm at RealBramW if you want to reach me, which I'll just relay to John. Um, but he had a few of them that I thought were very good. What's the cap situation after the draft picks end up signing here? So right now, Bram, they have
1: approximately $12 million in cap space. The, the salary cap allocation for the rookies is – it's gonna be around 9.5 million. Those are the projections I saw. So after the fact, they're gonna have a few few million dollars left to spend. Now they can obviously cut some other guys to help out if they need more cap space, but that's right now the money they would have.
0: How about the branded sheriff extension talks? Where are they on that? Good question. The last I was
1: told was that they were they had been talking to him. Now, clear now here's I'm gonna go way back to January. Late January, someone had told me that there was optimism they could be done really soon. Well, that was late January, and really soon meant within a week or two. Well, we're now we're sitting here in you know early spring and nothing has happened. So that's an ongoing thing. I don't know that they're necessarily being exchanged like on a weekly basis, there has there has been dialogue. I would still expect that to get done because they want it to get done. I think the difference between a guy like Sheriff and Matt Ioannidis is that Sheriff will have a sh- much stronger market if he hit the free agent market, and
0: both sides know it. I thought the Ioannidis deal was a value deal, by the way. It was a great remember, deal. It was a great deal for them. Um, last one from David. He said this. Do you think Jay has a longer leash now with a rookie quarterback? Um, I know he
1: hopes he has one. <laughs> I think that's the big – I don't – I can't say that he does because nobody has told me that. But if you come out and say you're going to play the rookie, then you better give him some time because, you know, it's not like you can't win with a rookie quarterback. But if if people in the building are telling you it's going to take him some time, you better give him a long leash. My guess is that that no, that's not the case. But Uh, I haven't been told that for sure.
0: All right, last thing because we spent – what felt like two months talking about Josh Rosen potentially being a Redskins yeah. quarterback, okay? And he did get traded, and he did get traded for a second-round pick, mm-hmm. as what the initial thoughts were right. going to be, that it wasn't going to be a high draft pick that went that way. I and Maybe it's just hindsight for me, but this just feels like a massive gaffe by the Cardinals in what they did. Oh, that, my God. Absolutely. Two... You have the number one overall pick. You have a quarterback here. You have a couple of choices. You can trade down and get a haul for whoever wants Kyler Murray because all the scouts we talked to basically said that he was the only one that was really worthwhile going Mm -hmm. after. Or you could take best defensive player on the board, whether you think that's Nick Bosa or somebody else. And they did neither one of those scenarios. It just feels like organizationally that was an asinine decision that they
1: made. Well, not only that, but when they started calling teams about this, they called, you know, according to the SI story um, by Robert Klemko, they didn't call him until the Redskins were like on the clock, I think, or, or after the pick. So it's like there wasn't enough dialogue before going into this. And I think both sides were kind of playing chicken. If you're a team that would want him, the minute you call, the price tag's going to be this. Um, and the minute the Cardinals call, the price tag goes down because now you know you're drafting Kyler Murray and they didn't want to tip their hand. Okay. But you can't then call up and say it's going to take your first-round pick. There, that's, it's ludicrous to think that. So I, I think they they failed to create a market for him to, to drive up the value and get leverage. And that was always the thing that I wondered about from the beginning because teams were going to find their quarterbacks. And once more teams started to find their quarterbacks, that was it. And for the Redskins, as long as they knew Haskins was going to be there, they weren't going to go after Rosen. They didn't have to. The two names that I heard early, early on in this process for them, especially from the, the higher higher-ups, was Haskins and then, and then Rosen. And I know where some of the other people fell, but those are the ones that you know, that i heard consistently. And so if Haskins was there, they had no shot to trade him here. And so I, I agree with you. I think the Cardinals botched it. I think the way they played it was terrible, and it cost them value.
0: All right, last thing for you. And, a, and I'm
1: sorry, having said that, Bram, he's, they still got about what we thought they might get yeah, they for did. the reasons we said.
0: Yeah. Uh, last thing, and, and I just want to go back on Haskins. Let's end there on, on him this week. And this is just a final thought, and and this is a completely unfair thought that I've had about this, but Urban Meyer, of course, wasn't coaching there a year ago, but has dealt with Haskins and a number of quarterbacks through his career, and he has not produced great NFL quarterbacks, despite having one of the premier programs, whether it's at Utah, Florida, or Ohio State, mm-hmm. and you follow Ohio State closely. Cardell Jones did not turn out to be a great NFL quarterback. Barrett's not a great NFL quarterback. Tebow was never a great NFL quarterback. Chris Leak never even developed into a quarterback. Alex Smith took five years before he developed into a really good NFL quarterback. Should I be concerned about Haskins based on the lineage?
1: Well, and I think that's, that's a, it's an interesting question. I think a fair question. I think the difference here... Is Haskell, well, first of all, whether or not he succeeds, I don't know. I like, there are certain things that I like that you can build upon that give him a chance. I know that. He's not like any other Urban Meyer quarterback. And I think that was an, when he came, when he went to Ohio State and we transferred from Maryland, that was one of the things that brought up. He's not, he's not a dual threat guy. Typically, Meyer's going with a dual. Look at you, all those quarterbacks you named. Cardale really wasn't his recruit, but all those guys you renamed were dual threat guys, Alex Smith, Tebow, JT Barrett. And, And what he was big on was dual threat and leadership. And that's JT, all three of those guys are big on all those areas and with Haskins is more of a passer. So what you saw this year was a different Ohio State offense with Ryan Day calling the plays. Now, Urban's there. It's still elements of his game, but it was a different attack. And I think they updated it a little bit to give more – not just RPOs, but just more vertical throws. And they, they had a lot of horizontal stuff, but it was more throwing the ball. With JT Barrett, third down, it was all about him running the ball to get a first down. With, with um, Haskins, it was about his arm. So there was, a diff- there was a different Ohio State offense, and he's a different sort of quarterback than Myers ever had. So so, there's a, so it's not exactly, this. It's, it's the same coach, but the lineage is a little bit different with this kid. All right, so those are our thoughts on the draft picks and Dwayne Haskins in particular. Stay tuned in coming weeks for more talk, of course, in all these draft picks and a guy that we want to focus on next week in Bryce Love. As always, thank you for listening and have a great week.